The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus departed from there and came to his native place, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They said, Where did this man get all this? What kind of wisdom has been given him? What mighty deeds are wrought by his hands? Is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sister here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his native place and among his own kin and in his own house. So he was not able to perform any mighty deed there apart from curing a few sick people by laying his hands on them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. The Gospel of the Lord. In the Gospel today, we heard about the return of Jesus to his hometown, Nazareth, after spending some time in other regions or places proclaiming the kingdom of God, curing the sick, raising, raising people from the dead, and all those important ministries that advance the kingdom of God. The gospel today that Mark gave us is introduced by saying that Jesus departed from there and came to his native place. Where, where is this there that the, that the evangelist Mark refers to in the gospel today? Well, if you recall, the gospel last Sunday was about the raising of the daughter of Jairus to life. And as they were going to the house of Jairus, there was a woman with hemorrhage, hemorrhages who touched Jesus' garment, and she was healed as well. So Jesus was coming from this place to his hometown, Nazareth. And this is an important point because at this point in the gospel, section in the gospel, Jesus was quite popular already. He already had a following. His miracles have already spread to different places, and his town folks were very much aware of this. So you think that they would be excited to receive back receive back one of their own after being away some time as like and finally he could actually do in here what we had been hearing about him in other places 
but the reception was not expected. He was rejected. He was questioned. They, it's not even a doubt. The, the line or the word that the evangelist Mark used in the gospel today at the very end of the gospel was, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Before I even discuss what unbelief is, let's first talk about doubt. You know, when, you, when we speak about doubt, we already believe first. And then, after, after hearing, after listening, or seeing something, or a situation arose, doubt could pop up and say, do we really have to believe this? I'm confused about this. It's not even the case in here. There was no faith from the very beginning. And what was the stumbling block? What was the stumbling block for them to truly believe in Jesus? What's interesting about this was that we were told that they were astonished on what they heard from him. And they said, where did this man get all this? What kind of wisdom has been given him? This is, not, this is the guy that we know for the past 30 years. He grew up with us. We hang out with this guy. We ask him to repair some of our furniture. He's a great carpenter. Where is this guy getting all of this? Not that they don't believe his words, but since they knew, they thought they knew who was speaking them, they refused to believe him. You know, our preconceived notions about people and even about ourselves oftentimes hinder us to receive the transformative power of Christ. Sometimes our preconceived notions of people are bring us to a point where we box them and say, oh, that's who that person is. Nothing less, nothing more. I was sharing in my 7.30 Mass this morning that I was reflecting on this, and it reminded me of my first reaction when I learned that my youngest brother was entering the seminary. I was like, really? And... Says like, what's going on? Um, did his girlfriend dump him? And this is the solution? What's going on in here? You know, not, I mean, he, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. But I just knowing him from, you know, from our interactions, of course, and growing up, he, there was really no... I'm very careful here because my mom is listening. And I, let's say lack of, you know, priestly material. You know, he, he had girlfriends and all of those things. Just living the life. Okay, that's what it is. 
And when I heard about this, I was just like, wow, I need to talk to him. And he said, I have, I, I, I have this call, but I keep on putting it at bay, and the call is getting stronger and stronger. I just have to say yes to this. And I said, great, if that's the case. And then he entered the seminary, and in his process of formation, I would always ask him, how is it going? Do you think this is still the life for you? Do you see yourself not being married for the rest of your lives? You know, I was trying to give him those, asking him those important questions because I said, you know, this is not just something you try. You know, this is forever. And even those questions, I think, uh, proved that I was still a little bit skeptical. And then he got ordained, and he has been a priest for more than two years now. And as I look at and go back to how he has been doing his ministry, I can only but admire his love for his vocation and the life that he embraced. I box him. I doubted the transformative power of Christ because I thought I knew him. But God continues to surprise us. You know, God, God's ways are not our ways. The standards of God are very much different from our own standard. And when the town folks of Jesus and even some members of his family doubted Jesus, they were not just doubting Christ, they were actually doubting themselves. It's like we're Nazarenes. Remember what Nathaniel under the fig tree said when, when, when Jesus was pointed out to him? What did Nathaniel say? Is that the son of man? Is there anything good come out from Nazareth? So even the Nazarenes were like, the Messiah is coming from this small and significant place where everybody could not wait to leave? It's amazing, you know, the standards of God. When God chose to be like us, to assume our own humanity, He could have chosen to be, to, to, to be born in the most important place, like in Jerusalem during that time. But, you know, He told by allowing Himself to be born in one of the most insignificant places in Israel, He's telling us, I have faith in you. In as much as you have faith in me, I have faith in you. And why is that? Because I've been with you even in the most insignificant places or aspects of your life. And because I have been there, I have elevated it to almost to the heights of the divine. That's what it is. That's what this encounter is telling us. The Nazarenes only concentrated on what was lacking or what seems to be the weakness, the weaknesses. You know, those affinities that they, you know, that, that they, that they associated with Jesus. 
the world always look at weaknesses as disabilities. But, it, but with God, it's an opportunity for Him to show His transformative power. I was reflecting about this too in my own ministry. You know, I've said this a few times already that one of the things that, that was really difficult for me entering uh, the priesthood was just my own personality. You know, I am a super introvert person. And when I got the call from God to be a diocesan priest, I was like, are you sure about this? Why don't you just call me to be a monk? I can stay in my cell and not deal with so many people. Not that I don't like people. But it's just like, you know, it's not natural. You know, you just want to, to be in your comfort zone. And in my first few years of ministry, it was really a struggle, you know, the nerves, the anxieties, public speaking. And I have already carved my own priestly life as like, okay, I'm going to get ordained, I'm going to be in a parochial vicar, and then I'm going to apply in a small place somewhere in the coast and retire there with few people as much as possible you know, so that I don't want to be inconvenienced. And then suddenly, I got a call. Carrie, are you, can you go to St. Cecilia? I was here as a deacon, but I said, that's not going to be St. Cecilia in Beaverton. That's a lot of people. <laughs> and the first question that I asked is like, is there another St. Cecilia in the coast? I said, no, you're St. Cecilia in Beaverton. I was like, Lord, but I realized, I realized that I was just concentrating on my comfort zone. I was just concentrating on, on my own inconveniences. And the Lord said, you know, one of those things that truly spoke to my heart was like, you're too worried about this. You're too worried about this. And I asked him, Lord, change my personality so that I don't get all these butterflies in my stomach. But when the Lord said, no, I'm not going to change your personality. I want you to be who you are so that you don't get too elated using the words of Paul. Because if I change you to what you want to be, you might no longer trust me. You might just trust on yourselves and you will just going to do things according to your designs and not on my designs. You know, St. Paul in the second reading today said, Lord, I'm struggling with this and I pleaded for you three times, remove this from me. And the Lord said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. You know, when I finally stopped wrestling with God, asking Him to change me so that it's a lot easier to be in front of you, I experienced this most liberating feeling when I just said, okay, Lord, whatever, you win. You win. It's the most liberating feeling. And now I don't even worry about this. Because I allow the transformative power of God to work in me. You know, that's, 
what seems to be a weakness, a perceived weakness on my part, was a vehicle for me to continue to trust in His mercy. I still have anxieties. <laughs> I still have the nerves. I still have butterflies in my stomach at times, but I am free because I have given it up to Him. We're talking about freedom this weekend, Independence Day, and I just realized, you know, I asked myself, where did you experience true freedom for you, Carrie? And I just realized that I experienced true freedom when I completely abandoned myself into His hands. Dependence on Him is the most liberating and the most freeing thing that we can ever do. Oh, almost. You know, what's interesting about this gospel, too, was that we were told that because of their lack of faith, he was not able to perform any mighty deed there apart from curing a few sick people by laying his hands on them. Why is that? Meaning that Jesus' power is dependent on what people think about him? No, it's not that. But rather, it tells us that God can only do his work and can only manifest his transformative power in you if you allow him to do so. Because faith is not magic. Faith is a relationship. You know what magic is? It does not depend on the expectators. But faith is not magic. Faith, the effects of faith only happens when you truly believe on who's entering into relationship with you. So that is why Jesus was not able to perform any mighty deeds there because their hearts were shocked from Him. Their hearts were not opened. That is why faith is a relationship. It's not magic. It's not rules. It's not rituals. I mean, we express all faith in those things too, but ultimately, it's saying to the one who who's knocking at, our door, at the door of our hearts, enter in, transform me, stay there, stay there. So, reflecting on the gospel today, reflecting on the gospel today, as Christ continues to teach us, to teach you and I, what's going to be our response to His invitation, to His pleading to enter into our own hearts? Are we going to open Him, open to Him the door? Or are we going to respond in the same way as His town folks responded? By rejecting Him, or by shutting the door. 
let's allow Him to transform us anew.